Hi, this is Lily, host of Las Beauties podcast. Welcome, my beauties, to this episode. Here is a recap of the last few episodes. We discussed what soul, soul, soul suicide feels like when one is uninspired, sad, not feeling seen or validated. And then we discussed a little bit about giving our souls some CPR or at least how to go about finding some of the things that lead us to the things that set our soul on fire. So on today's episode, I wanted to share a little bit more about me in regards to what happened that I felt like my soul was dying and what I discovered. And what I discovered along the way, this journey, and how maybe possibly it might help you do the same as well. So let me start by saying that I feel that we all have stories, good ones, bad ones, sad ones, funny ones, life-changing ones, etc. And that we all have something to learn or to teach from these stories. And here's a little bit of mine. So I'm going to take it way, way, way back. And just to get some context, okay? My mom was about three months pregnant when she decided to migrate to California. Why, someone might ask. Well, I mean, let's be honest. It wasn't just for the hell of it, um, but let me tell you why. She found out she was pregnant from, you know, the good-looking, financially stable, older gentleman. Yes, the typical Maria Chui novella. That when she found out she was expecting and told him, his response was, wow, okay, well, um, let me see, what do I do do here? Um, And this is how she tells a story. He said, okay, I'll set you up in the house up on this neighborhood. I'll give you a, a car and a monthly stipend. That was his response. To which my mom's response was, ¿Y qué quieres? ¿Cómo quieres que le ponga la criatura? Fulano de tal de dinero? No, gracias. Right? Which means loosely translated. And when this child is born, what do you want me to name it? You know, first name, last name of money? No, thank you. Goodbye. So she next thought to herself, well, my mom's going to kill me. He isn't you know, taking full responsibility, though I think that was a little bit of responsibility. And, you know, she's, she's not going to be happy about this. And obviously, at that time, and I, you know, I always feel that I'm young and young at heart. It was during this time frame where, what are people going to say, right? What are they going to say about the family, if they know that your daughter is pregnant and unwed at 20? So fleeing a beating, according to my mom, she literally left. Um, And she came to the United States. She came to California. So challenge number one, you can see there, no green card. So over the border, she went walking, running, hiding, and cardboard sledding, according to her, from that side to this side. Pregnant, three months along. She arrived within a day or two to Pacoima, where her mother's sister lived. And within a few hours of having arrived, she stated having really bad stomach pain. 
challenge number two, I think you would say. So she was quickly taken to a family um, curandera where she was told that she might be having a spontaneous abortion since she did notify her that she was pregnant and that she had just crossed the border. So according to my mom, she was given a couple of shots. Um, she believes it was iron, but don't quote me. And she was sent home just like that. And guess what? I made it. So my thought on that was, oh, I was meant to be here. Now, being a young, beautiful 20-year-old at the time, my mom did what she knew to do best. One, take care of kids. She is the second oldest to 14 siblings. And one thing she also knew how to do very well was clean houses. My mom used to be a, a housekeeper in Mexico or in Tijuana at this time. And that is where her journey began as a single parent. Obviously, challenge number three, right? Now, note to self, because this is an important point to reflect on 20 years from this moment, as, story, as the story repeats itself, and stories normally tend to repeat themselves, right? And we can talk, discuss a little bit more about multi-generational patterns in, in a little bit, or you know, more on that later. So my mom soon meets her future husband and father to my brother and sister. My brother and I are 16 months apart. Yes, I did the math. I don't know if, of, if many of you have, but I did. And I was like, 16 months apart. Wow. Okay. Um, so that you can tell how soon after I was born, they met. And that is where a lot of my struggles began. Now, not the part about being 16 months apart. I, I think I like having my brother young um, in close age to me but more in regards to the challenges with my stepfather. And at this point, I'm going to stop counting challenges as they never stopped. And uh, obviously they never decreased, but they also never stopped. Now, luckily, you know, the way you look at it, maybe some are more challenges than others or challenging things than others, but regardless. So from you know, however many months old I was, what, eight, 10 months, I was led to believe that my stepfather was actually my biological father. So basically, I grew up thinking no different. And like I said, my brother is, my brother and I are 16 months apart. And then my sister came 10 years later. So just to set that frame. Now, I was born and raised in the San Fernando Valley. So from any locals, I was actually born at Pacoima Hospital, as a matter of fact. Um, that hospital no longer exists, but I lived in Pacoima for a few years, and then our family moved over to Selmar. So at the age of five, I get hit by a drunk driver, a milkman drunk driver, as a matter of fact. And I'm hospitalized for almost a month, and I get to go home in a full body cast with some homeschooling, which I got during my kindergarten year. So imagine that. I broke a couple of, body, uh, a couple of bones in my body. I healed from that and um, I got some homeschooling and I then shortly moved into first grade, which I really don't have any recollection of, but I remember that by second grade, we were already living in Silmar and began my elementary out there. 
Now in elementary, I was bullied relentlessly by a couple of different girls. Two girls while I was in second grade. I remember this um, vividly because I remember often crying. Now imagine this, my mom used to dress me in these poofy dresses with ponytails and each ponytail had one single curl. So my hair used to be naturally wavy or curly and white socks that had tulle around them. If you can just imagine that or, or this material, uh, look them up totally girly dresses, poofy dresses, you know, poofy socks, um, poofy hair. I mean, no wonder I was bullied, right? So later on in fourth and fifth grade, I was then bullied by these two other girls. These two girls actually lived on my same block uh, across the street from me, a couple of houses over. So they would bully me at school, punk me at school. Sometimes they would catch me in the restroom and, um, one would watch the door while the other one like chased me around trying to beat me. Um, I mean, bullying, right? Just, just bullying. So there was this, I have to tell you, this is a side note. So I used to have this beautiful rainbow bright jacket. Um, yeah, look that one up too, rainbow bright. And one day I was walking home and I'm going to call this one, one of the bullies, Mina. Mina was really mean. Um, she was relentless. So on this time home, uh, a walk home, her and her friend were trying to take this jacket away from me. And I was, you know, walking home faster and faster and faster. I was crying. I turn my driveway uh, to go up home while these girls are behind me, pushing me, smacking me, you know, behind, behind my head. And um, I end up thinking, Oh my God, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, why can't this just be over? Right. So I get home and, and, you know, the girls go home, whatever I walk in, my mom notices that I'm crying. I tell her what happens. And, you know, she would say things like, don't, no seas mensa, no te dejes, defiendete, right? Like, don't be dumb. Like, you know, defend yourself. Don't be letting this happen to you which was so confusing because every morning when I would get up to go to school, she would say, Portate bien, right? Be good. So imagine the, the, the confusion. Okay. Be good, but defend yourself, hit them back. Don't be dumb, but be good. I, I don't know. It was just like so confusing to me. So, you know, on one of these walks home, I, end up getting again harassed by these girls behind me and this time walking up my driveway I see my mom standing on the porch and as I make eye contact with her I clearly vividly remember her looking at me and these girls are behind me I don't think they cared in that moment or they hadn't noticed that my mom was standing there and this one Mina girl is behind me and she's like pushing me and just taunting me smacking me upside the head and I'm crying and I'm trying to walk as fast as possible. And I look at my mom and she looks at me and she yells. She says, O te la chingas, o te chingo. Now, translation could be mildly said, either kick her ass or I'll kick her ass when you walk in. So at this point, I was like, mm, the, the, you know, it's do or die at this point. My mom's either going to whoop me or, you know, it's, this is going to be ugly. 
So I don't know how it was that I gathered my wits, turned around and pounced on this girl, Mina. I mean, I was relentless. So much so that my mom had to literally walk off the porch, come to me, pull me off of her and escorted me into the house as I was kicking and screaming, saying, let me at her. I knew mom was proud of me. She tried calming me down. She gave me a hug and she then gave me a pinch of sugar under my tongue. I don't know if anybody's ever had that, but according to my mom, era para el susto, right? So, you know, probably, I don't know how long it was afterwards. I was able to calm down and, and get it together, whatever. Then I hear a knock at the door. Oh my goodness. I was in panic mode. I could see through the window that it was Mina's um, whom I thought in the moment was her mother ends up being her grandmother. My mom opens the door. But at this time, I remember my mom walking towards the door, like even just her cursing and saying, pobre de que esta venga y me esté reclamando, right? Like, God forbid this woman is here to just um, uh, tell me something. So my mom opens the door. And all I hear is this person apologizing to my mom. And she's, she, my mom doesn't understand a lot of English at this time, but I do remember her saying, I, I saw what happened from my window and I wanted to come and apologize for the whole thing. And I'm, I'm hoping this is the way she learns, right? That this is the way Mina would learn. So she was, grandmother was basically hoping that somebody whooping her butt now would calm her down. So, I mean, imagine what I felt like, right? I felt like a victor, like finally. Now understand these girls terrorized me. I do not promote violence myself, but being eight, nine, 10 years old, it was a horrible place to, to live in, in fear of this. Um, which is no wonder why I hate really using public bathrooms kind of, I think I just put that together. Honestly, I never understood why, Um, my mom later on theorized that it was because, you know, jealousy and just the way my mom took care of me and the, you know, the clothes I would wear and that I was look cute with my, you know, um, pigtails and whatnot. And that these girls just, you know, um, didn't have that. So therefore they attacked me for it. Maybe could be possible. So funny thing is that after this fight, literally the next day, Mina and her friend came to the house to pick me up and walk me to school, literally so that even one of them picked up one of my books to carry it in, carried it over to to school. My mom was in shock. I I literally, I was scared. I was like, they're here to like, you know, beat me up together. And basically they said, hey, we're here to pick you up to go to school. My mom looked at me and she said, go. And my mom escorted us. She walked a couple of feet behind us. And I don't think I ever had trouble with them again, to be honest with you. Well, that was elementary. Okay. Now in my, I don't know if it's typical Latino or Mexican household. Well, at least in my environment, the way I grew up, I wasn't really allowed to stay at anyone anyone else's home. I wasn't allowed to go to like overnight stays and any type of like gatherings or parties at friends' homes if my, my mom wasn't there. So I basically grew up with my cousins. And um, so we weren't allowed to have sleepovers with anybody, but definitely over the cousin's house. So we could stay at their house and they would stay at our house, which was cool. You know, again, my mom being the 14, uh, being one of 14 kids, she had brothers and sisters, one of which um, she was super and is super close to. 
they lived really nearby and um, they, she has kids our age. So my brother, Johnny and my cousin Rosie would hang out and me and my cousin Patty would hang out. Um, and we just hung out like this is, this is who our, you know, who we grew up with basically. Now to set some, some, some other context, right. Um, uh, during this time frame of elementary, um, my stepfather brought home to live with us, his sister-in-law, uh, wife of his brother that had recently passed away. And so they stayed, they were supposed to stay with us, um, for a short period of time while they got back on their feet. And initially it was really, it was fun. Like we didn't have a lot of other people that we would ever hang out with on a constant basis. Um, nobody else lived with us. Um, at this time, I think my sister had already been born. So it was my brother, my sister, myself, my stepdad, and my mom. And we had a, a stepsister that would stay that he had uh, three kids prior to marrying my mom. So um, Gloria was staying with us. So again, when these people moved in, there was a total of, I believe, six of them. And that household went from five to six to about 12. And initially, 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 it was fun. And then things just got really intense. Um, you know, fought over things of, you know, bathroom use and, and who was what and, and stop playing with my stuff. And this is mine. And, you know, at one point, I remember thinking, oh, my God, when are they leaving? Because I, was, I wasn't used to living with, with um, or sharing things with anybody else, right? It was definitely a full house. Um, now, I share this to say that, and no disrespect with anybody that has any other family members in, that are living in their household, because I'm pretty sure the majority of our relationships are really good and healthy. But I do want to say that we, we need to know who stays with us. And if we are bringing people into our homes, that we want to be very, you know, um, vigilant. And supervision has to definitely increase because we don't know how our kids are reacting to certain things. We don't know what kinds of um, um, behaviors others have. And, you know, we just want to make sure that we're keeping our kids safe. And keep our eyes peeled at this time. So I will say that some abuse happened during this time. Um, it's not my story to tell in this moment. So I just want to say that I'm not, I don't want anybody to be completely distrustful of anybody, but I do want us to be mindful of um, keeping our kids safe, setting boundaries, really definitely teaching them about um, boundaries and what is it to violate a boundary and, and where, where are our bodily uh, boundaries and who to speak to about it if something was to happen. Um, and again, you know, maybe a little bit more on, the, on that story, but just to be mindful of that. Now onto middle school. Middle school was interesting. I was not allowed to wear any makeup or have a boyfriend, but I did both. And like a typical teenager, you know, pushing the boundaries right? I wore makeup between 8 and 3 p.m. And I also saw a boyfriend between 8 and 3 p.m. only during school hours. So much so that sometimes I had to skip a class or two to hang out with a boyfriend that later on I ended up finding out he wasn't as young as he said he was, but that's a different story. Also, I had really good grades during this time. Um, I always liked school. Remember that my mom was a housekeeper. So when she got with her husband, my understanding was that she was supposed to more than anything, be a stay at home mom. He wanted her to stay home, take care of the kids. Um, I don't want to say he didn't let her work, 
but he did not want the kids to be unattended, according to my mom. So she would still do some light housekeeping every so often. She, I know she had a couple of homes that she was um, often going to. Usually they were um, while we were in school. Now, during the summer, she, I remember her having a home on a Saturday that I would have to go help her with, or I don't know if have to, but she would definitely drag me with her. And I remember so much so disliking cleaning homes and just the process of it and like the perfectionism in certain things and just the way things needed to be. It was just not my thing. Um, which was an interesting thing for me only because I think it really taught me the importance of an education, right? And not only in an education, but a clean house. So cleaning houses definitely taught me some lessons in life. Obviously, my mom kept seeing that I was unhappy going with her on Saturdays. I often whined, even though I got paid five bucks per house, which I think was a lot. But I often whined. I talked back. I made comments like, I don't want to go. Why doesn't my brother come and help you? Why do I have to be the only one to help? You know, things like that. I honestly hated it. And I would often say, well, when I'm a grown up, I'm going to have a housekeeper, not be one. So one day, you know, she probably got definitely over my comments. And she says to me, well, you know, please understand these homes will one day be inherited to you. You will be the one coming in and cleaning these houses. This is how this works. You know, I have houses, I clean them for years and years, and then I, I will pass them down to you. Honestly, I was so confused. I was like, wait, no. What part of me not liking to do this did you not understand? If I don't want to clean houses today, what makes you think I want to clean houses 10 years from now? Well, she added, that's if you don't get an education. If you don't get an education and you don't go to school and you don't graduate a college, you're going to inherit these homes. So, you know, you need to just go to school and learn something. So if you don't want to do this, is what she was telling me. Mind you, remember, I liked school. I did good in school. I had good grades. So at this age, you know, 10, 11, 12, I knew I didn't want that in life. I knew I didn't want to be cleaning someone else's home. In, uh, home. So I figured school, sure, I'll do school. Now let's jump into high school. I loved high school. I have to tell you, I had so much fun in high school. I participated in everything. And being, side note, a Virgo um, that is very earthly, grounded, just, you know, I'm not uh, a extrovert by any means, not that Virgos aren't, but I was very much to myself and I liked the organization part and I loved you know, doing things in an orderly manner and just staying organized. And again, very introverted. I really challenged myself during high school to get outside of that. And during this time, mind you, I, like I said, when I say I did everything, I did everything. I was one of those PA announcers that would go in the morning and announce whatever announcements we had for the day or the week. I was part of student government. I was in um, yearbook class. I was in all sorts of after-school groups, including like Mothers Against Drunk Drivers or Students Against Drunk Drivers and um, 
you name it, I really wanted to be part of everything, um, including so much so that I became senior vice president and helped organize homecomings and um, uh, prom, etc. I I just had the best time of my life in high school. I was part of the um, senior fashion show. And to me, again, I loved being behind the scenes and organizing. And then for one reason or another, I would end up like, you know, um, also stepping out of my, my more comfort zone and doing things more um, on the front end of that. So I really, at this point, I think is where I began that Goldilocks um, uh, journey for me, right? Goldilocks in the sense of like trying things out and see what worked for me and see what didn't. I tried as many electives as possible. So, so much so that, I mean, I was really ushered into all sorts of classes during middle and, and high school that had, honestly, now that I think back to it, nothing to do with college. I was ushered into the stereotypical um, uh, cooking classes, sewing classes, typing. Yep. I ended up getting the homemaker of the year during one of my. Oh, yes, the Deserving Student Award. Now, that was the first of the awards. I mean, mind you, I, I, I had gotten perfect attendance awards and all those different types of awards that schools give out. Um, but this was a different level. And then my other award in high school ended up being the most deserving student award that was actually presented to me by later I, I, he might have been the supervisor at one point in our county Michael Antonovic and it was aired like on PBS or something um but that was also exciting and I think that award came from it was from a, a teacher that had nominated me and I really truly honestly believe it was because she got to see um she noticed everything that I did do that I was in that I was organized, I, you know, had checklists and agendas and, and notebooks and everything that I was doing was just to the best of my ability. So anyways, I was, I was nominated. I won that. That was great. And um, during this time, two things were happening. I was trying to figure out who I was, right? Because I, I knew I wanted, there was a thing called, thing called college. Um, it was a very foreign idea to me because I had never been to one. I, I think at some point during high school, we had a field trip and I remember going to UCLA, I believe it was. And that campus was daunting. It, it was huge. It was scary. Um, no one in my family at this point had even graduated high school or let alone go to college. And one reason being that, you know, my mom had migrated. There was family that was in Mexico. And then I was the oldest one um, in, in the United States and California at this time that was doing the schooling system. So I didn't have anyone that, that set the bar or that I could follow behind and sort of, um, uh, figure out what this college thing was. Right. Um, so anyways, I was trying to figure this out on my own. I ended up taking a course. I remember a class in high school that ended up dealing with, um, some type of life skills building thing and I learned to budget which I learned about accounting which I ended up taking 
a mini course in, in one of my classes. And I thought, wow, I'm really good at this. And that is where this sort of um, curiosity came into like, oh, maybe I could do accounting and maybe that pays well. And over uh, the rest of my high school year, I realized looking into um, the job market that accounting was huge. Now, what was happening in this time frame was that accounting was going from manual to digital. So I was able to get into a course called um, um, computerized accounting. So I ended up getting a degree in that. Um, the other thing that was holding that I'm holding back on and sharing, or that was going on actually, I should say it more that way, was that I was holding this really huge secret. And um, I think the burden of it was getting heavier and heavier and heavier as um, I went from 13 to 14 to 15 to 16, uh, 16 and a half, 17. I felt like a lot of my high school um, activities were, now that I look back on, were really a, I don't want to say they were a cry for help because like I said, I really enjoyed it. But I think I was really trying to fill my life with as many activities as possible because I wanted to stop sort of these voices in my head um, that kept telling me who I think I should be and, and what was going on and why things were going on the way they were. And that took me into a spiral at one point, but that is where I will leave this story for now. I, once again, I wanted to set the, um, the, the stage for the things that are to come in regards to sort of the rest of, of me and where I am today. Also to talk about how the idea, the spark, the dream came to be to not only hold a podcast or to create this, um, kind of just, you know, um, being able to give you that, that backstory, but also having worked so hard to go to school, to learn a skill, to go from, from one degree to another, to finalizing sort of schooling and getting into my professional career and how I um, thought moving up this, this ladder in work was going to help me achieve, you know, the, the feeling of accomplishment that I thought I, I wanted and needed. And then how it was that I just came to the conclusion that that wasn't for me and I quit. And um, I quit and I say that with a huge smile on my face because I am getting to do things now that I had only honestly just dreamt of before and that lived on paper or maybe lived in my head or maybe just lived in my heart. And I was afraid to say and to share with anybody because I thought people were going to think I was crazy. Um, so everybody, I will pause there and um, I will hopefully um, have you all join me next week to get to the next part of this journey with me. So thank you all once again for uh, listening to Las Beauties podcast. Um, I am Liliana Hernandez, your host, or also known as Lily. And um, if you are in any way, shape, or form really um, wanting to maybe share your story, which I would love to hear from, please, please find me on um, Instagram at lasbeauties or email me to Liliana at lasbeauties.com. And um, I do want to say thank you once again for stopping by. And also, 
please stay in your power, find your purpose, find peace. And um, I will talk to you all next week. Take care.